episode 32, Saving Valuable Office Admin Time Through Chatbots, my conversation with LawDroid's Tom Martin. I'm Michael D. Eisenberg. I'm the Tech Savvy Lawyer, blogging at the TechSavvyLawyer.page and host of the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing lawyers, judges, and others in the area of law to talk about where they see lawyers new and seasoned, taking advantage of technology in their legal work, and how all lawyers can utilize technology to better their practice, improve their services to their clients, and enhance their own lives. Our next guest is Tom Martin. Tom is the founder and CEO of LawDroid. LawDroid is an intelligent automation company with a mission to promote justice everywhere. Tom has used his 20 years of experience as a lawyer to build and maintain LawDroid's LawDroid Builder, a no-code legal automation platform that allows you to systemize your experience, scale your law firm services, save time and money, and improve the client's experience. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Hey there, Michael. Thanks for having me on. We are thrilled to have you and we appreciate your time today. To get things started, what is your current tech setup? Yeah, so I am the proud owner of a MacBook Pro. Um, this time around, I just got it about, I don't know, four months ago. So I made Do you sure- Do you have the M1 chip then? Is this the 13 inch or is it the- uh... it's, it's the 13 inch. I didn't get the M1, although I wanted it because it didn't have the right specs for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I got 32 gigs of RAM so I could have like a thousand tabs open. Right. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's been working like like a like a dream. And uh, so that's what I use day in, day out, along with another monitor and then my gaming keyboard. And um, yeah. Wait, cool. What was the M1 missing that you wanted to go with the Intel? If I remember correctly, it was something about the uh, memory expandability. Like if you wanted to add memory, I think it was soldered in. Mm-hmm. And it's at 16? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And so like I wanted to have 32 and I don't, if I remember right, it just didn't let me do that. But I've heard gr- such great things about the M1. I was really kind of um, bummed out to not get it. I saw a demo the other day where somebody opened up like 64 different apps on an M1 within no, wow. two seconds. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So that looked pretty cool. Yeah, I uh, I was been listening to other podcasts, and I know that people get it. And like on a MacBook Air or a Mac Air, the M1 chip, they're doing like heavy duty video rendering without major issues. So I mean, I understand that it's a very powerful chip. My question is like, how does RAM play into the into the M1 chip, if at all, or or majorly at all? I should say. I, I I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what how what kind of bottleneck it creates for it. Yeah, I, was, I, yeah. I haven't seen any like Geekbench um, renderings of speed tests between the M1 chip and the Intel chip, but I'd be really curious to see that. So what's your monitor? So the second, well, the second monitor is just a, it's just a leftover like 24 inch Vizio. Okay. Uh, and, Dare uh, I ask the DPI? What's that? Dare I ask the DPI, the dots per inch? Oh, it's, you know, I'm not even sure what it is. It's not, you know, it's not, um, you know, the latest, greatest thing. It's just something from about four years ago that was left over. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, I'm running an iMac uh, 5K 
2017 Intel. And uh, on my left and right, I've got two 4K LG monitors, and oh, they're man. all they're all beautiful. And actually, the L, the you could probably get a decent LG monitor. Uh, my, they're both 27 inches for like $500 on Amazon. Wow. So, I mean, and the ones I have, they're, they're great. I, don't quote me on the price, but it's something like that, I think. Um, but I've had these for like two years and when I got them, it was like 700 and something. But uh, I can tell you they were well worth the investment. Yeah, I could see them, uh, through, you know, oh. we're actually watching <laughs> each other. I could see them through the monitor and like they look pretty awesome. I wish I had 4K, but um, maybe I'll, I'll upgrade to that soon. Now, now, hold on. Uh, just, uh, of course, the listener can't see this, but actually I have a TV mounted on my wall. And I think that's what Tom sees. Typically, I have um, CNN playing in the background, but I will I will adjust the camera. Oh, OK. So so we have a, a wow. monitor uh, flanking on the left that you see. And then we have a monitor. Uh, apparently, it's a little dusty on the right. So you got the wraparound monitors and then a TV wrap uh, mounted on the well, they're not. Wow. Well, I mean, when you say wraparound, that's usually like one monitor that, that kind of like curves. But I yeah. have three monitors. The uh, the the 5K iMac is dead center. And then left and right on the flanking, um, I've got two different monitors going on at the same time, um, wow. which I just love. And, you know, it, it does amaze me how many people, including attorneys, don't know that how easy it is to add a second or third monitor to their um, their desktop. Uh, you know, Macs can usually add two without a problem and Windows can usually at least add one. And, you know, every time like, I remember going into a attorney's office like 15 years ago, and like, well, it's like, I'm surprised you don't have a second monitor given all the documents to look at. He's like, I can do that. I'm like, yeah, it's really easy to do this, this and that. And he does it. He's like, holy cow. And then I talked to him like a year later. He's like, oh, my God, that was like the best thing ever. Um, to yeah. have that extra uh, real estate. But uh, so tell us what other tech you've got in that office there. <laughs> um, so I won't say her name completely, but it starts with an A-E-L-E-X-A. That's right, on right. the wall. That, okay. Find me right there. Um, mm -hmm. So if I want to just check on like what appointments I have coming up in the day, um, you know, or like set a timer or an alarm to remind. Right. Like I said, a reminder for this podcast. Right. Because I have so many things going on. Um, but she's very helpful as a digital assistant. Um, I also have, um, you know, standard scanner, printer. Um, got a mount here for my iPhone, like right here on okay. the side. Right, between, right between the laptop and the, and the second screen. So mm -hmm. that way, it's actually a pretty cool way of keeping track of all the, your notifications. Okay. It just comes streaming up on, the, on your mobile phone screen mm -hmm. on my iPhone. And which iPhone actually, do you have? 13. Excuse me, 12. Okay. <laughs> I wish I had the 30. The 12. Which one of the 12? Um, it's the smaller one. Is it the smallest one or uh, the smaller one? Um, that that does not look like the the smallest one. Um, but you know, what's the it's the it's the troll, it's the 12, I think the 12M, uh, the 12, yeah. uh, the 12 Pro, and then the 12 Pro Max. Yeah, it's not the Pro or the Max, it's just the 12. Okay. Um, have you compared uh, cameras between the 12 and the 12 Pro or the Pro Max? No, I think like the 12 has two uh, on the back. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think the Pro does have three. Um, I, I just have 
no concept of what the third, um, you know, what the third camera on the back does. I'm sure it lets you do like 3D or something amazing. Um, but compared to what to my wife's phone, which is I think she has the the 10 still. This is a an amazing improvement with the uh, two cameras on the back. So yeah, my, my wife has the 10 as well. And I, I can compare pictures from when she, from when I take them to when she takes them like mine's mine sleeps and bounds. I have the 12 Pro Max and the camera quality is just amazing. And I'm sure that the 12 is is you know not that far behind. Um you know, I, I remember back to um, the olden days of like mm -hmm. 2000, 2002 when I got my one of my first digital cameras. And um, back then I was happy with like a almost highly pixelated <laughs> picture, you know, just to, just right. to be able to take digital pictures. And what what we could take now is just just uh, breathtaking by comparison. As a user of Alexa, how well does that operating system integrate and work with your Mac setup? I think she integrates equally with with uh, Windows and and Mac. Basically, what you do, um, or or what I the the only connection I really have is integrating her with the calendar. Okay. Right. So you can um, do an authorization so she can access your Google Calendar. Right. Right. And um, and that's web based, so it could be you know either right. operating system. And uh, that way, when I ask for my calendar or what appointments mm -hmm. I have coming up, she could tell me. Oh, okay. So then uh, you're not using any like smart home devices um, with her. We're not saying her name out loud so we don't trigger something by accident. Yeah, I know it sounds silly, but but she uh, is very insistent on jumping into conversations if you see mm -hmm. her name. Um, I do have her tied into like if somebody uh, rings the doorbell. All right. I could talk to that person, uh, but I but I don't have her tied into the HVAC system yet. So why did you pick her versus Apple's lady in the box. You know, well, I could say her name. Suri is, um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I haven't been keeping track of like the evolution of Suri, mm -hmm. but I know the times that I've interacted with Suri, um, it's been unreliable, you know, like the, the level of, of understanding is just lacking. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, it's it, um, just not as smart, I guess. Not as smart, not as smart yet. I'm sure she'll catch up real quick. You might want to try her out uh, lately. She has been getting better. I'm on that platform versus uh, the platform you're on. Uh, I'm not, you know, saying one's better than the other. You know, the 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 podcast is, you know, OS iOS um, agnostic. Uh, we talk both about Windows and Macs. We talk about, you know, uh, Google and um, Android and you know iPhones and you know Windows and Macs. So, it, you know, there's no prejudice here, if you will. But let's let's get into the questions. Uh, Tom, what are three simple automation tricks any attorney or person can do today? Yeah, I think that um, one thing that attorneys don't do as often mm -hmm. as they could is to just take advantage of automation. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of what we do and I say we because I'm also a lawyer. I have 20 years of experience under my belt. And, um, you know, one, one simple piece of automation that maybe mm -hmm. now, maybe now doesn't seem like automation because it become routine. Right. And that's how it works. You know, 10 years from now, a lot of the things we'll talk about, we won't even refer to as automation. It'll just be like the way we do things. Right. <clears throat> but for setting appointments, for example, um, simple piece of automation is that you hand over 
a Calendly link or an acuity scheduling right. link, right? Yeah. Instead of like, I'm available this day. Oh, I'm available these days. And you go back and forth. That's pretty, you know, pretty much um, well-worn at this point. But that's one piece of automation. A second piece of automation is connecting the form that you have on your website that captures a potential client's information and connecting it to your CRM or your case management system. And so that way you avoid double entry. So like if they, if you get a lead that's interested, they submit their information in their form, in the form to you. So instead of you or your assistant having to get an email with that person's information, then mm-hmm. having to retype that information, into right. you could connect it into your CRM using Zapier. Right. And, and, and Zap, just for the listener, Zapier is a third-party program that helps connect links or connects two different programs that would not necessarily be naturally connected to one another so that they can talk to each other and share information. For instance, like, like someone sets up an appointment in Calendly, and then as they fill in the information with their name, their address, their phone number, that gets populated through Zapier into your CRM so that it's, an, it's a new lead or new potential client. And that this way you don't have to type all that stuff in again. Exactly. Um, and the third type of automation that, that you could take advantage of depending on what um, case management system you're using mm-hmm. is some simple document automation. If you're using Clio, for example, you can, you can use the information, again, that's already in your system, mm-hmm. not having to retype it mm-hmm. and create something like a retainer agreement, right. which in, the, you know, in this way, you type it up once mm-hmm. as a template, and then you include like where the person's name is going to go, what their address is, and so on, and then just press a button to create that retainer agreement without much effort. So those are three really basic ways, I think, that we can use automation if you're not already doing it for scheduling, mm-hmm. for document automation, mm-hmm. and um, it could really help to ease the burden of routine tasks. Because getting rid of some of that, um, if you will, somewhat trivial work or administrative work, you know, allows you to focus more on the substance of work is always a benefit to the attorney and quite frankly, any professional. Exactly. So let's move on to question number two. What are three ways automation like chatbox save attorneys time? So what really excites me about chatbots and the reason why um, I created LawDroid and we built our own platform mm-hmm. so that lawyers can create their own chatbots is that the types of automation tasks that I just talked about where you would employ different systems, right? Mm-hmm. You employ like one for calendaring, one for document automation and, um, and uh, ins- inserting information from a lead form on your website into your case management system. Right now that's kind of like three different systems. Right. Um, and the beauty of a chatbot platform is that it integrates all of those systems together. Okay. So for example, um, if you had LawDroid on your website, it could immediately engage a website visitor, mm-hmm. talk them up, tell them about your firm, tell them about you, reflect your branding, your personality, and capture their information, their name, their phone number, mm-hmm. email address. When it grabs that information, it automatically ports that into your case management system. It automatically integrates with your calendaring system and auto schedules them if that's what you want. Right. And at the same time, um, 
because we have document automation natively built into it, it could take the same information it just gathered and auto-create a retainer agreement. And so the ability to tie all of those systems together mm -hmm. and make it super simple is what we do and do well. So our, so I understand about pulling those three different services from your work together. Are, are there any other advantages chatbots will help attorneys save time? Yes, for sure. Um, let me point out a few different use cases Sure. that, that you could use chatbots for. And so one thing I want to talk about first mm -hmm. before I get into that is when we use the term chat bots, which is kind mm -hmm. of a dated term at this point, a lot of what it brings to mind for a lot of people is chatting, right? And it seems superficial. Right. It seems superficial and it seems like not very valuable and kind of like a novelty thing. But what chatbots really are are automated assistants. They're they're robots, basically. Okay. It is the automated system like Jarvis for uh, Tony Stark or, um, you know, like the artificial intelligence that you see in movies, like this is where we're going with this. So this is the actual right. um, artificial intelligence that will be assisting us now and in the future. We just right now happen to refer to it as chatbots. Um, one use case is the lead mm -hmm. capture, capturing right. leads on the website. Now that's a focus for some attorneys because it's close to the value. You're actually getting a new piece of business out of it. So that's obviously valuable because we can include conditional logic. It can ask qualifying questions. Right. And only if the person passes through the gate of those qualifying questions. Okay. Do, do they even get to submit their information to become an actual lead? Second way is that we can also automate answering questions. So we do have natural language processing built into our system mm -hmm. so that, you know, we have to deal with a lot of similar questions as lawyers where people are asking about pricing, about availability, about, right. you know, do you do this kind of thing? And so all of those routine questions could be answered on the fly 24, seven, 365 okay. without having to bother you or your assistant. And then also at the same time, educating the people that get through the, the gate uh, as being qualified so that when they come to you, they're a good lead. So that's one use case is lead capture. Another Another use case is once they're a client, you need to intake them. You need to create mm -hmm. a file. And so when you create that file, you have to ask a number of routine questions. Usually that comes up with like an hour to two hour interview with your paralegal or assistant. And so with the bot, you just send a link, you just email right. a link to the client. They have an interview with the bot. It doesn't cut you out. It just gives you the benefit of all that information when you have that face-to-face -face meeting with them. Um, the third use case is milestones. So like if during the course of the case, there's routine places where you would check in with your client, like maybe mm -hmm. they, have a, they have a deposition coming up, or maybe they have um, some paperwork they need to fill out. The bot can also guide them through that and guide them through it with multimedia. It could be video. It could be downloadable documents. It could also be text. And then finally creating documents. And lastly, asking for the review at the end. If it's a positive sentiment, mm -hmm. then, we, then we forward them to Google to fill right. out a review. If it's not, then we shortcut that and just get positive. We get the uh, the feedback so we can have a more positive result in the future. So in in this situation, and I understand how this is all working. Um, and I hope the, the listener is too, that basically it takes a lot of the, the routine intake, some standard processing, and of course the exiting. 
of clients, um, you know, off your desk and have it done for you somewhat automatically. What do you advise attorneys and other professionals when, you know, the the client or recipient is not, is just like tech adverse or feels that they're not getting quote unquote, a personal touch uh, with their representation. How, how do you, what do you advise uh, your clients? So the ones that are clients, they definitely mm-hmm. see value in it. You know, the, the ones that are customers of mine, they definitely right. see value in it and it works for their clientele. That's not to say that it, you know, it may not work for certain practices, right? right, right. There, there might be some lawyers that they have a very small niche practice and they only right. meet in person with people. And so it doesn't really fit them. But for the ones that find value in it, um, my approach has always been not to replace lawyers. It's, right. it's a hybrid solution mm-hmm. that is value added. So the fact that you use this automation to alleviate the burden of routine tasks doesn't mean that you you don't interact. It, it just right. means it, it means that when you you have that face to face with the client, when you have that personal communication with them, that that's the value add that's going on top of the routine, um, and it and it frees you up to be able to have more of that. Because if you're not spending as much, you know, we only have 24 hours in the day, so right. if you're spending less time on the routine stuff, right, right then you have more time to make the personal outreach to clients and have that you know, valuable communication with them where you're still getting the benefit of the data that's been collected. But let, let me clarify the question just a little bit. And I wasn't yeah. necessarily saying, quote unquote, complaints from the attorneys. What I'm saying is, what do you suggest attorneys tell their clients who may be complaining, hey, I'm not, why, why am I going through a bot and not going through you? I think, you know, like everything, it's about setting expectations. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, certainly at the beginning, there might be um, clients that want to do it the old fashioned way. I think one way into it that has been, has kind of smoothed, smoothed the road mm-hmm. is COVID, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of forced us to change our habits um, or a way of explaining change. Mm-hmm. So the, the, you know, the, the response to that objection might be, you know, I, I completely hear you. Um, if I had all the time in the world or in a perfect world, I w- would definitely want to do that. Um, but what we've, what we've chosen to do is to, to delegate some of the tasks to, to this automated assistant that we have mm-hmm. so, that we, when we, so that when we meet one-on-one, I could provide you with as much value as possible. Um, it actually allows me as well to make my rates much more affordable than if it was going to be me one-on-one all the time. And um, so I think that clients, when they understand the value that they're getting for it, um, are much more likely to accept it. You could also tell them like, okay, we can do it your way, but there's going to be fees associated with that. And if you're happy paying those, then we could do it that way too. <laughs> right. No, and no, I, 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 I hear that's you. That's usually where they back off. <laughs> that, that is, um, I, I think, a very common way to, to sort of adjust the uh, client's expectations when you start saying, well, if you want to do it that way, it's going to cost more. I think they then realize the value of their, 
the bang for the buck they're getting with things like automation. Let's move on to the last question. What are three ways LawDroid stands out from its competitors with its attorney-focused business? So the way we stand out is um, first, like I had mentioned before, like we have multiple use cases that we cover. Mm-hmm. In fact, we we cover the entire spectrum, the entire client lifecycle. Mm-hmm. So we're not just about lead capture. Um, we're about handling each step. So we're not a one-trick pony. Um, you're you're also getting a product that's been evolved from uh, interactions with thousands of users because mm-hmm. because we we first developed this in the legal aid space um, where we created legal aid solutions for for Tennessee, for Kansas, for Colorado, mm-hmm. and uh, in New Orleans, and basically learn from the ground up what, what users are looking for. Uh, so you're getting a product that has been evolved from user feedback so that we can make it as user-friendly as possible. Um, and in that regard, when you're actually building these things, it is so user-friendly, we actually had a team of law students out of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. where a professor, a professor gave them an assignment to put together um, an automation so that regular people could sign up and they can fill out, you know, they could uh, answer an interview and then mm-hmm. create divorce documents. And they, in fact, okay. they automated three divorce documents and got uh, a great grade from their, from their professor for doing it. And they only met with me for an explanation of how the whole, whole thing worked once. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I, I offered to meet with them more often and I never heard from them. And I actually thought something bad happened. Right, right. But it was because they were able to easily figure it out that they just did it on their own. Oh, excellent. All right. Well, uh, good for them. Um, and, and hopefully you weren't slighted by that. Um, apparently your explanation was that well done that they were able to go flying. I I hope so, but I, I, I attribute it mostly to like the work that we put in on the front end to make it uh, user-friendly and intuitive. So you have like the whole client life cycle, mm-hmm. have intuitive and user-friendly. Mm-hmm. And the third that our, you know, our pricing is pretty amazing for the value. Like if you were to take individually the different features we offer, natural mm-hmm. language, chatbot platform, document automation, um, live chat, and you were, you know, each one of those products themselves could cost 50 to a hundred dollars based on what vendor you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, typically our, our normal pricing has been a flat fee of $150 per month with a, okay. with a setup fee so that we can set it up for, um, for customers if they don't have the time to do it themselves. But recently, uh, through, through a promotion that we have going right now with Clio, um, and we're very close to having a similar promotion uh, with Casebeer we're highly discounting that monthly flat fee so that more people can take advantage of this. Um, Yeah. Well, if you're willing to share, I'll certainly put that in the show notes. Yeah, I'd be happy to. And and one thing I would add is that for any of your listeners, Mm -hmm. I'd be happy to extend to them the same special pricing that I've extended to Clio and soon to, to, to offer to case peer users which is oh. $50 per month. Oh, wow. That, 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 is, that is great. And I personally will have to look into that for my other job um, <laughs> when, when we get that. But if you, if you will provide that, I will make sure that it goes in the show notes. 
And uh, this will hopefully go out on uh, Tuesday, as you and I had just discussed, and we can take that from there. L- let me ask you this question. See, I mean, I've learned more. I'm learning more about your product as well during our conversation. But let me ask you this question. How long does it take one of your customers to get together the information necessary to use LawDroid? It may take them a week. Okay. And the reason why is simply like the, the press of business, right? They just mm-hmm. don't. They don't have the time to dedicate to it um, until about a week. Yeah. And so you're not saying eight hours a day, five days a week. <laughs> no, they're, they're just trying to find the time to be able to. Okay, right. To do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. That, that, that's what that's what I was trying to get. How much time will they personally have to invest into it in order to get the, the information from them to you so that you can get, start doing what you need to do at your end? Right. I would say that if they sat down mm-hmm. and they just and they were able to provide all of the information that we're asking for mm-hmm. uh, for the done for you uh, product uh, or excuse me done for you service, I mean it would literally take them like ten minutes to provide that information. Oh, okay. It's, it's just for them to find that ten minutes in the day. Right. Sometimes, sometimes they get distracted with things. Gotcha. Um, and if we got that information from them and we're able to just sit down and do it for them, mm-hmm. uh, we could probably have it done within, you know, 48 hours, um, if not less than that. We, we've also set up a system, though, so that it is self-managed. And so if they want to do it themselves, what, mm-hmm. we've, done, what we've done to greatly uh, reduce the time to getting it put together is we've created templates. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if somebody wanted to create their own lead capture bot, Right, right. They just press a button and it copies over the lead capture template that we've mm-hmm. created for them. And they just fill in the name of their law firm, maybe change up the branding colors and things like that. So the time that would have taken two weeks gets reduced to, you know, a few minutes or an hour or so. Gotcha. So you have templates already that, you know, that some attorneys will find to be simply standard for them and they can just quickly adopt that to their own use. Exactly. Excellent. Excellent. If there was one thing that you wanted to say uh, to the listener and if you will, potential clients about Vaudroid that they may or may not be sort of on the fence about uh, using a service like yours, what would you say to them? I would say that, you know, whenever you're dealing with something that's new, um, mm-hmm. it might seem like you're taking a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, one way around that or one, one way to just learn more about it is to feel free to schedule a, a demo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually not just a demo. It's a consultation. Mm-hmm. I take the time to learn more about people's practices, what they do, what they're trying to achieve really, because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's not about automation. It's not about whiz bang. It's not about flashy new technology. Right. Right. What it's really about is that everyone out there, all of the lawyers, that are working at this, like I myself have, we're trying to make our lives easier. We're trying to spend more time, mm-hmm. with, more time with our families. We're trying to um, relieve the burden of this routine, boring stuff that we have to deal with every day. And once I understand like what they're trying to achieve, then I could, I could help them, and we can help them through, you know, the LawDroid platform and the automation. So, I would just invite them to schedule a demonstration and consultation with me so that I could help them to understand, you know, 
how this can help them. And, and the, the consultations, they're free of charge, no commitment required. Yeah, they're free of charge, uh, no obligation. And right now, actually, I do them personally. Oh, okay. I, I may not be doing that in the future just because for scale, it might not right. be possible. But right now I am because I think and truly believe that it's important to understand personally, like what the stories are, All right. and what the need is. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Tom, I appreciate you being on today. And where can people find you? Well, thanks, Michael. Um, people could find me easily at Lodroid on Twitter. Um, also, my email address directly is tom at lodroid.com. And of course, the website is lodroid.com. And we'll be sure to put a link into um, the notes regarding uh, the special that you had mentioned for the listeners. I appreciate that. Thank you. As I, as I mentioned a moment ago, I'll, I'll probably take you up on that myself. And um, I'll also be sure to put a direct link to your consult page so that if someone just wants to go straight and sign up for a consultation, uh, they can do that right from uh, the show notes. Tom, thank you again. Have a great day. Thanks, Michael. You too. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast. Our next episode will be posted in about two weeks. If you have any ideas about a future episode, please contact me at michaeldj at the TechSavvyLawyer.page. Have a great day and happy luring.